address that you give to all the spammy sites on the internet if you need to, but we need to know that you're here. It helps us stay within the safety guidelines that the city of Boston has set for our church, so it's tremendously important for us that you check in. We have a great service for you today. I think you're really going to love it, but to kick that off, we are going to give it over to Josh. So Josh, take it away for us. Morning, everybody. Excited to see y'all today. Let me go ahead and get some uh, worship started here. Oceans roar your greatness, so will I. 
failures and pride On a hill you created Light of the world Abandoned in darkness to die And as you speak A hundred billion failures disappear well, You lost your life So I could find it
Hey God, we just want to come to you this morning and say thank you for giving us a place to come and worship together and gather in your name. For giving us great weather every week as we come out here and ask you to bless Pastor Jared's message as he prepares to give up and uh, give it give it to us. So thank you for everything you do for us and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll pass it over to Judith now. Thank you, Josh. Good morning and welcome to Renewal. My name is Judith and I am your host. Hey, Ken. <laughs> please, at this time, take out your phone and this card. Every week we are asking you to please check into the service. All that is required is your name and your email address. We're doing this so that we can stay within the guidelines the city has set for us. And if you're new, you will receive a free gift sent to your email. Today, after the service, is our connection event, a community group connection event. Um, we will be here at the orange tent in the corner. All that is required is for you to check in. So come, please join us today. Next, Grant will be speaking about his experience in the community group. Grant. Hey everyone, I'm just going to share uh, a few things that I love about my community group and the community groups that I have been in. Uh, the first thing is that it just gives you the opportunity to build uh, strong relationships with other believers, people that will pray for you each and every week, lift you up, um, encourage you when you need it, and last of all, uh, be there when you need it most. Uh, another reason is that you get the opportunity to learn about Jesus with others. Um, I realized quickly that there was a lot that I didn't know um, and others challenged me on uh, what my understanding of the word was and just being able to connect with people in that way and learn together is incredible. Uh, third, I love coming here on Sundays and just reconnecting with those people I get to see throughout the week uh, to see how their week was, um, what prayer requests they had during the week, if um, any of those have gotten better, just any updates on those. And last of all, uh, just the opportunity to be challenged within a community group by those who you let see into your life to a deeper level than most. Uh, for me, uh, a few years ago, um, somebody in my community group asked me out to breakfast and really challenged me in my faith. And uh, that's really um, where I am today in my walk with Christ because of that guy. Um, and I'm just super thankful for him. So today I encourage you, if you're on the fence about joining the commun a community group or going to the event, I say just do it, uh, see what you can get from it. And to close, I'm just going to end with a Bible verse that says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with you. Uh, and now I'm going to pass it off to Pastor Jared. All right, thanks, Grant. Hey, thanks everybody for being here today. If you haven't yet checked into the service, make sure and take this card and check into the service. It's going to help us tremendously when you do that. So to get started today, we're going to we're going to start with a little quiz for you. Ready? All right. What do the following people have in common? Queen Elizabeth I, Condoleezza Rice, Ludwig van Beethoven, Nikola Tesla, Oprah, Susan B. Anthony, Jane Austen, Sir Isaac Newton, and Joan of Arc. They're all single people. They were all single. Yeah, nailed it in the back with the buff. Way to go, man. Yeah, they were single. And I think it's interesting that they had this undivided devotion to some kind of topic or something that they were crazy into that they pursued. They were all single. You know, Boston, our city, 
is two-thirds single. 66% of Boston is either single, divorced, or widowed. And that is a crazy high percentage of people who are not married. Singleness, uh, if you talk to people in Boston about singleness, they'll talk to you about the freedom that it gives them. They'll talk to you about the fun that it brings into their life. But one of the biggest reasons that people are single in Boston is because they're career focused. And so they've been kind of laser focused on moving forward in their career and they've been overwhelmingly focused on that. And marriage and relationships have kind of taken a back burner to some of that. So singleness can be crazy. Uh, it, you know, it can be fun. It could be, it could be flexible, but it can also be a painful season of life. Now, not everyone who's single wants to be married, and that's that's good. But most people who are in our church who are single would like to be married someday, which means that in your life, singleness is probably a season, which means it has a start date and an end date. And you may not know when the end date is, but it's it's likely coming. It might come for you. And in that season, it can be hard. Because when you're single, you can wrestle with feeling like you're missing out on some experiences that other people have, the experiences of a wedding or of a marriage or having kids, and you feel like there's something out there that you haven't achieved or attained to yet. Depending on your family, you may have to deal with some serious family pressure if you are single. And every conversation comes back to, hey, have you been talking to anyone? Why are you still single? What's going on with that? And on top of that, what singleness can also be marked by um, by some feelings of self-doubt, where you think, maybe there's something wrong with me. Am, am I not marriage material? And of course, that's ridiculous because like half of the people who are married aren't marriage material. But it's easy to wrestle with those feelings, right? And you, and you kind of know, you're like, I know that's not true, but sometimes you still have to kind of fight through that and wrestle with that. There's some real pain that comes with singleness. And, and that's why we're talking about singleness today. It is so incredibly important for you to catch a vision for singleness that goes beyond uh, singleness being a waiting room for the married life. And also catching a vision for singleness that goes beyond, you know, this is going to help me achieve and get ahead in my career. Because I really believe that, that God made you to make a difference and make an impact. I just believe that about every human being there, being. there is no human life that's wasted. God has plans for you. He has a difference for you to make. And singleness is a part of the impact God wants you to make. The freedom, the flexibility, the single-mindedness that you can have in singleness allows you to serve the Lord with undivided devotion. And so it is not a handicap in that. It is a benefit. Singleness is not a second-class status in the kingdom of God. It's actually first-class, and the married people are in the back of the plane behind the little curtain that they, that they open up. Right? Singleness is a powerful positive in your life, even while it is sometimes painful. Now, if you are married here today, let me speak to you for just a second because you could check out of this message. You could, you know, pull up SportsCenter and see how the games went on college football last night. Go Canes. But, but here's the thing. Because Boston is 66% single, you are surrounded by single people. You're quite literally, we're, we're in Boston. You are surrounded by single people at church. You're surrounded by single people at work. And because you are married, those single people are going to come to you and they're going to ask you for advice. Being married doesn't make you wise about singleness, but it doesn't matter. They're going to come ask you for advice anyway. And so you have a decision to make about whether you are going to be a wise and godly counselor or whether you're just going to give them bumper stickers and cliches. You know, my mom used to say to my sister when she was single, she used to say, you got to kiss a lot of toads before you find your prince. 
Well, you know what? That's kind of true. And I've, you know, I've, I, I've, I've seen the dating scene in Boston through your eyes, and I know there's a lot of toads out there, right? But is that what you're going to give people, or are you going to be able to give them godly wisdom and help them develop a vision for their singleness of what God could do through it? So if you're married, I want you to dig in and pay attention, because this is going to be, there might be a word God wants you to speak into someone else's life, so you could be a powerful catalyst for change and growth in a single person's life. All right, now, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to look at singleness through um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 in the Bible today. So it's going to be helpful if you have a Bible, take that out on your phone. If you have the Bible app, you can look up 1 Corinthians 7. Because we're in our, we've been in this series called Relationship Status, looking at not only how can we improve the relationships God gives us, but also how can we be content and happy with whatever, relationship, whatever our relationship status is today. Are you married? You know, God... When, with God in your life, you can have contentment and joy in your marriage, even if it's hard. Are you single? You can have contentment and joy in your singleness, even though it's difficult when God is in your life. And so in this series, Relationship Status, we're looking today at singleness. And we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 7, starting in verse 25. And I'm going to walk you through the text piece by piece and share a little bit about what the Bible says about singleness. And at the end, we'll try to make an application, okay? Starting in verse 25. And I'm going to make comments as I go. Uh, verse 25 says, now about virgins. Well, that's a weird way to start because we don't talk like that in Boston. What the Bible is talking about here is unmarried people because this was written in the first century BC. And uh, that, that was how they spoke about unmarried people. In fact, the default status for people was marriage. It was really only prostitutes and eunuchs who were single long term. And even those who were widowed tended to remarry quickly. The Apostle Paul writes, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. And sometimes people have, have heard that sentence and thought, oh, this isn't, you know, something God says. This is wisdom that's just Paul. No, here's a kind of a hack for reading the Bible. When you read the New Testament and it uses the word Lord, it's almost always in the New Testament. It's almost always talking about Jesus, not God in general, but Jesus. And so Paul's saying here, listen. Jesus addressed a lot of things in his time on earth. He talked about marriage, he talked about divorce, but there was a topic he didn't touch on, which was what if you're engaged? Like Jesus just didn't seem to address that in his teaching. And so he says, now here's God's wisdom on that status. And here's what he says, verse 26. Because of the present crisis, and we don't know what that crisis was. We think it was kind of like, um, it may have been persecution of the church or it might've been a famine. But because of this present crisis, I think it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? like engaged do not seek to be released are you free from such a commitment do not look for a wife but if you do marry you have not sinned and if a virgin marries she has not sinned but those who marry will face many troubles in this life and i want to spare you this and all the married people said amen yeah marriage is hard so so here's the main the main thrust of what paul is saying here is that if you are engaged, you have an option as to whether you, you marry or remain single. So there is an option for you. So that's the first kind of big point, big thing that I want you to hold on to is that singleness is optional. And <laughs> you're like, listen, Pastor Jared, if singleness was optional, I wouldn't be single right now. But that's not what it means. In the New Testament, when it says single, singleness is optional, here's what it means. In the ancient world, singleness was not an acceptable way to live. It just wasn't. Because uh, ancient Greco-Roman society was a true patriarchy, if you were a woman, you had no legal rights, so you needed to be married to a man in order to gain protection and provision and legal representation. So 
therefore, no one, basically no one was single unless they could help it. Also, women's worth was judged through childbearing. We saw that last week in this series when Demosthenes spoke for the Greco-Roman world when he said, here's the purpose of a wife, in case you were wondering, it's to, to give birth to legitimate heirs. And so women's worth was seen through childbearing. Men's worth was judged through household size and wealth. So therefore, in, in order to be a person of status in the Roman Empire, you had to be married. Now, watch this. The Christian vision of singleness, and this had never existed before in the history of the world, said, you know what? Singleness is a totally optional, viable way to live. You could just be single. It started with Jesus. Jesus was single, and he was the sinless son of God. So that's, that's a pretty good recommendation for singleness. Paul, who wrote this, was single. And he says, you can get married if you want to, but it's totally optional. Now, think about, for just a second, think about the way this elevates the status of women in society you no longer need the public representation of a man. Think about the way this elevates the status of women who are unable to give birth for any reason. You are no longer judged by, on your ability to have children and produce heirs. This even elevates the status of men too, because the worth of your worth as a man is not tied to your household size or wealth. And so when this was written by Paul, it absolutely demolished the prevailing views on marriage and family and worth in the first century. So this is why I say, if you are a woman, you should follow Jesus and learn the teachings of Paul if for no other reason than the way they elevated women in Western civilization. It was absolutely revolutionary in its time. And the equality for women that we have today and that people still fight for has echoed down through the ages and you can trace it back to 1 Corinthians 7 in Western civilization. So singleness is optional, and that's great news. But there's another thing as well. Singleness is temporary. Let me show you that in the scripture. This is the next verse, 29. Paul says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. And so what he's saying here is not that like, you know, if you're married, you should just go live the bachelor life. What he's saying is that he, he says the time is short. Things are passing away. In other words, everything in your life is put into perspective by eternity. Everything. Marriage is put into perspective. Grief, happiness, possessions. Eternity puts everything into perspective. And that includes your marriage or your singleness now catch this if you are if you're a married christian person there will come a day when the primary relationship in your life is no longer the spouse that you're married to but it will be in, in eternity the primary relationship of your life will, will revolve around jesus and god and the same thing is true if you're single so if you're single as a christian that means for now you're going to miss out on the experiences of sexual intimacy marital companionship and physical family. That's some of the hardest parts about singleness, isn't it? That those things are not in your life. And those things could be a devastating loss for you. But the way God works in our lives is that he redeems the hardest things. And so what it does is it teaches you to rely on God. And you learn that with Jesus, you, you have everything you need to have joy and purpose in your life. In other words, 
you are living today more like we will all live in heaven, which is completely relying on God to be your sufficiency. The writers of the New Testament, um, they talked about this reality by picturing heaven as uh, when, when heaven starts as a big wedding. And they said that the church, which is all the followers of Jesus, will be, will, there will be a big wedding feast and they'll be married to Jesus, which was, which was relate, which was, it was language in order to say that your, your relationships are changing. Now they will revolve around God and his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to the way they put it. They say, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. In other words, heaven is a place where your relationship with God and his son, Jesus becomes the primary relationship in your life, which means that your relationship status today is essentially temporary because eternity will put an end to it. So think about that. In heaven, there's no more loneliness. In heaven, because of your connection with Jesus, there is never a sense of being an incomplete person. There's no sense of missing out on something other people get to experience, like marriage or family. There is no grief over your lack of children. So in that sense, your singleness is temporary because there's coming a day when your relationships revolve around God. So keeping an eternal perspective lets you remember that marriage isn't worth living for and neither is family. They're both great things. But if you put your expectations on marriage making you happy or family making you happy, your expectations will crush this other person and you'll ruin your marriage and your family. And so Christ is all that matters. Loving him, knowing him, experiencing him is great preparation for heaven, but it also gives you the resources you need to live with joy in your singleness today or your marriage. All right, so we said singleness is optional. Singleness is temporary. Here's the last thing. Singleness is beneficial. Listen to the text say this. Uh, Paul says, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And all of the wives said, Amen. Amen. All right. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world how she can please her husband. And all the married men said, don't say it. No, don't do it. You're going to get in trouble. He says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way. Listen, in undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness is not just um, another viable way. It is beneficial. It is, in a sense, it's better than marriage because it allows for undivided devotion to the Lord. And you can serve the Lord without the constraints that family puts on you. Now, listen, let me just speak to you from my own experience for a second. I'm married. I have three kids. So there are times when I want to go serve the church and I'd love to meet with people or be with people or, you know, go out to dinner with people or do those things. But I can't because because I am married and I have children. My first ministry, my first way of serving the Lord is to love the people who are in my home. And so there, is a, there are constraints upon me so that I love the Lord by serving my family first. But when you're single, you don't have those constraints. And so you are free to love widely and to go wherever the Lord sends you. If, you, if God calls you to go to another country or another city, you can, you can pack up your bags and go. You don't have to consult with anybody. Not true when you have a family. Which is why we talk about this in these terms. We say marriage shows the depth of God's love. For one person how deeply and unconditionally god loves one single person but singleness shows the breadth of god's love for everyone he's made 
we have people in our church who do this so well. People like Judith, who did our hosting a little bit earlier. People like Jenna or Jaren, who's one of our community group coaches. Or Jonathan Howell, who leads the men's community group at our church. We have all of these people who have, who have used their singleness to serve widely, to love widely, and show people how widely God loves by using their singleness. Singleness is beneficial. And really, this is the revolutionary teaching of the New Testament. Not just that you can be single, not just that you're not a second-class citizen in the church, it's that when your singleness has this quality to it, undivided devotion to the Lord, it's actually beneficial, it's better than marriage. And here's a really cool secret about that, because I know a lot of you long to be married. When you live in your singleness with undivided devotion, it has the side effect of preparing you for marriage in case God has that for you in your future. Because you learn to live, instead of living a me-first life, you live a God-first life. Instead of living a self-centered life, you learn to live a selfless life. You learn to get out there and actively love. You grow in your competence to love and serve other people. And all of those things prepare you for marriage. You grow in your character. You grow in your Christ-likeness. You grow in your ability to sacrifice. And all of those things prepare you for marriage in case that's a part of your future. But even if it's not, even if it's not, living that way today means you have a bigger impact for Christ and you are more prepared for heaven when that day comes. So singleness allows you to live with undivided devotion. Now, I, I came across a quote in my research this week and I wanted to sum all of this up by sharing this quote with you and then we're gonna try to make an application, hopefully that touches both on married and single people. Here's a quote from Barry Danielak, uh, his book, Redeeming Singleness, where he talks about all of this. He says, the capability to remain single is to be regarded as a spiritual gift and is characterized by three predominant features. A life of simplicity, free from the stresses of spouse and family. A life that finds sufficiency in the blessings of Christ alone, apart from the experiences of sexual intimacy, marital companionship, and physical family. And a life ready and free for service to the king in whatever way he should call. So singleness is optional, singleness is temporary, and singleness is beneficial. And so just a second, you know, we're going to talk about how to live with undivided devotion to the Lord. Because the reason the Apostle Paul wrote this wasn't that when your mom calls you and she's like, why aren't you married? You're like, well, in 1 Corinthians 7, it says, like, that's not why he wrote this. He wrote this to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So we're going to talk about some of the things that can be a barrier to that. But before we dig into that, I want to talk to those of you who, as we talk about this today, you're, you're realizing for the first time that, that, that's, that one of the reasons your relationships haven't gone well is that you don't have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can't live with undivided devotion to God if you don't have a relationship with Him. And in fact, if, you, if your greatest hopes and dreams are marriage and family and you put that expectations on other people, you'll crush them. Because that person is just as flawed weak, sinful, distracted, and insecure as you are. And so if you put all of your hope in this other person, no wonder you're going to end up disappointed over and over and over again. But when you have a relationship with God, you get a sense of love and approval from him and from his love for you. You are filled up with love. And so you're not always so needy for love from other people like, love me, love me, love me, help me feel loved. Instead, you're so full of love that love flows out of you into other people when God is in your life. And so at the end of the, at the, end of the service today, I'm going to pray. 
and give you a chance to start a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And that relationship is possible because of how much God loves you. The Bible says that God loved you so much he sent his son to die on a cross so that your sin could be forgiven. And then he rose from the dead so you could have freedom and hope. And when you walk forward in that life that God offers you, it's a different kind of life. It's a different kind of identity. You are full of love and you're able to give love instead of being so desperate for it. Because some of you have been looking for that in a boyfriend or girlfriend. Some of you have been looking for that in a husband or a wife. And no wonder your relationships have been so chaotic. But God offers you a better way. And at the end of the message, I'm going to pray today. And you can start that relationship at the end when I pray. But let's talk for just a second before we do that about those barriers to undivided devotion to the Lord. Because for both single people and married people, this is an issue. The first question that I have for you is just for single people. Is the person I'm dating helping me to live with undivided devotion to the Lord? That's a good question. Now, we say this, maybe they're the right person, but they're not the ripe person. You know what I'm saying? Like you might be married, date married. You might be dating someone who's gonna be the right person someday. They're just not ripe yet. They're a green banana, and they've got some things to work out in their life, whether it's spiritual maturity or emotional maturity. And one of the best ways you could love that person would be by breaking up with them, so that they could get some of that stuff sorted out in their soul, and they could learn to depend on the Lord. Because while they're depending on you, it'll be almost impossible for them to learn that. So that's kind of hard to hear, but that's one of the things. Like, is the person I'm dating helping me live with undivided devotion to the Lord? And that's also a pretty good, a pretty good way to think about marriage too, right? Because if you're dating someone who helps you to follow the Lord, then when you're married, you'll be married to the kind of person who helps get you ready for heaven. Because if you see marriage through the same lens that we're thinking about singleness with, the purpose of marriage is no longer like so that I can be as happy as possible or so that you can be as happy as possible. Here we are, two people, two sinners who have to live together in the same house, and we're getting each other ready for heaven. And so if you're dating someone like that, you'll be married to someone like that. Here's a free piece of advice for single people. No one ever believes this. You're going to end up marrying someone you date. Did you know that? You're going to end up marrying someone you date. And so if you're dating someone that you think, I would never want to be married to this person, it's time to move on. All right. It got really quiet. I must have gotten a little personal there. Okay. Here, here, here's a question for married people and single people. Are these friends in my life helping me to live with undivided devotion to the Lord? You know, it's been said in our broader culture, and I just think it's true that you are a reflection of your five closest friends. Are the friends in your life helping you to live with undivided devotion to the Lord? Now, if they're not, I don't think that means you have to just cut them off and never talk to them again. But who are the people who are speaking into your soul? Right? Who are those friends who are closest to you that you can process life with? Those people should help you be living. That's why, that's why we offer community groups at Renewal Church. Because when you have healthy relationships in your life, spiritual growth comes out of that. That's the, that's the soil that spiritual growth happens in. Which is, after the service today, we're going to have our community group connection event where you can find groups. We have groups for, for men, for women, for couples. And you can find people who are like you. The, the groups start off with a five-week commitment so you can test it out and see how it goes. And if everyone in the group is a weirdo, you can do something else, right? But it's just a chance to kind of put a toe in the water to test drive so that you can find some other people. And you can show up after the service today. You don't have to 
to register anything like that. We're ready for you. We have the supplies we need. All you have to do after the service is check in at the yellow tent and then I'll be there and Judith is going to be there and we're going to we're going to be at the community group connection event today. And you could try it out for 5 weeks and get some of those healthy relationships in your life. Some people who help you live with undivided devotion. And here's the last here's the last question I have for you. And this is the one where it might get really personal. Are the screens I'm looking at helping me to live with undivided devotion to the Lord? Are the apps that I use moving me towards Jesus? How about the shows I watch on Netflix? How about just this, the amount of time I spend watching TV or looking at screens, is it helping me to live with undivided devotion? I think I just went from preaching to meddling. I just got all up in some of your business, right? But that, that I, I bring that up because it's a struggle for me too. It's worth thinking about is, is the way that I interact with technology helping me to live with undivided devotion or do I need to make some changes? Do I need to delete some apps off of my phone? Do I need to use that time to invest in other people to build a relationship instead of rewatching the entire series of Friends, which I may or may not have done. So those are the questions for you for living with undivided devotion to the Lord today. I hope some of that's helpful. And as we close, I just want you to think about this. God has an impact for you to make, whether you're married or whether you're single. But if you're single today, here's what I know. Singleness can be incredibly difficult at times. And it's different for each person. Some of you feel a great sense of loneliness and others of you don't. Some of you feel like you're missing out on, on experiences that other people are having like marriage and family and others of you don't. Some of you really wrestle with that internal, that internal world of am I, am I good enough? Is something wrong with me? And others of you don't. But there are always times when that part, that calling on your life is difficult. And, and I, know, I know what it's like to go through that. I was never single as an adult but I have lived through entire seasons of my life where I asked God and said, you know what, God, I wish I had an easier calling. Because it feels like I'm drowning here. And I look out at the world at other people and other people's lives, and I see they have an easier life and their life looks better. And especially when I look on social media, it looks 100% better. And just saying, God, I wish my calling were easier. But listen, God's calling for your life is not second best for you. And he's not waiting till you get married someday to bless you. He is blessing you today. Because when you have Christ in your life, you have everything you need to live with joy in the midst of your singleness. You have everything you need to live with purpose in the middle of your singleness. You have everything you need to live with contentment today with what he has called you to. And when you learn to live like that in your singleness, it turns out that you'll be well prepared for marriage because you can live in marriage the same way with contentment and joy and purpose. But if that never happens, you still have Jesus. And if you have Jesus, you have enough. All right, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment? I want to, I said earlier today that there's some of you who might need to start a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I'm going to pray a simple prayer asking Jesus to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. And maybe you need to make that prayer your prayer today. And you can pray along silently as I pray out loud. God, I know that I need you in my life. I need to be filled with your love. 
so that I'm not so needy in my relationships, but I'm able to love selflessly, but I can't do it on my own. I need Jesus. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need Jesus to lead my life. I need you to come into my life so that I have your presence with me every day. God, would you rescue me from me and teach me to put you first in everything? I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that he rose from the dead, and I want to live for you. I pray today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer today, man, that is a life-changing decision. It is a relationship-changing decision to do. You're as well. Your next step, though, is to get baptized. In the New Testament, when people turn from their sin to follow Jesus, the first thing they always do is plunge their past. We actually baptized a couple of people yesterday. It was just so beautiful to watch those people and, and, and get a physical sign of God's work in their life. And we can help you with that as well. After you check into the service, you can respond back with the keyword baptism, and we will just reach out and email back and forth to kind of set that up and answer some of your questions and those kind of things. But thank you for listening today. I hope it's been helpful. Next week, we're finishing up our series Relationship Status, and we'll be talking about dealing with toxic relationships. I hope that'll be helpful for you too. Judith? Thank you so much for joining us. If you have not done so at this time, please take out this card and check into the service. As Pastor Jared said, we did get to baptize two new people into the Fellowship of Christ. If you wanna see those pictures, please go to our social media by searching Renewal Church Boston. It has been incredible to see how many people get baptized this year, especially since we baptized more people this year than we have any other year here at Renewal. At this time, we generally give together and we just want to thank you so much for being a, such a generous church and, give, and continue to give. Now, right now, um, we're about to have our connection event right over there. So if you want, please join us right there. I will be there. It's going to be fun. I will see you later. Have a great afternoon.